0: Hello, and welcome to the Tiny Plastic People podcast, the podcast about tiny plastic people. We paint them, we play with them, and today we're here to tell you why we would all like to give Jagatai Khan a big cuddle. That's right, it's a Horus Heresy special. Uh, My name's Rich, and today I'm joined by Drew. Hi, Drew. Evening. And James.
1: Hello, James. Hello. I feel like I should have leant into the microphone like Drew just did then. Hello. a
0: sultry, still thinking about the cuddle, that's why.
2: Mm. I am. Mm. Although I'd like him to give me a cuddle rather than the uh, the other way around. So.
1: And it's Horus Heresy as well, so it's very much the, mm, this is the late night Horus Heresy chats. Grown-up miniatures games for grown-ups.
0: Okay. Yeah. Adults. Yes. Miniatures games. Very serious. But not like that. Mm. So, uh, as usual, we're from tinyplasticpeople.com, a fun website where we write about the things we like, and we podcast about the things we like, and today, we like Horus Heresy. So, where to start? James, what is Horus Heresy Hello. to you?
1: What is Horus Heresy to me, or what is Horus Heresy in general, or where well, if you want to go in general, <laughs> a bit of both. Um, a, a bit of me. I mean, to me, Horus Heresy is a wonderful place to be. Um, it is. It's. It's a big, expensive thing for your wallet, and uh, it's a place full of regrets. Uh, in general, though, it is a. Where did it start, actually? Um, almost 15 years ago, like the actual book series of Horus Heresy.
0: Yeah, so, so to give a really high-level summary maybe for our listeners that have just gone, oh, a TPV special, I'm going to listen to that. The Horus Heresy is a fictional conflict in the Warhammer 40,000 universe set 10,000 years prior, and it's a civil war in the Imperium. I think it was first mentioned on the... Adeptus Titanicus box or book in the late 80s and then yeah about 15-20 years ago there was the first of now something absurd like 60 mainline novels was released and now it's a very big book series and has influenced a lot of Games Workshop's other Media as well. So you have games like Adeptus Titanicus. The new edition is set in the Horus Heresy. And the sort of main thing we're going to be talking about today is uh, the game called The Horus Heresy, colloquially known as 30k or Warhammer 30,000, which is. Or Age
1: of Darkness.
0: Or Age of Darkness. Yeah, indeed. I don't know anyone that calls it that, but (laughs) um, (laughs) that is right.
1: So. I mean, it's something that's done pretty well, which was, colloquially, an excuse to have two sets of the same models fighting in Titanicus back in the 80s. So, Yeah, yeah, and it's
0: much the same, um, although it's expanded, it's much the same these days, so in general, if you go to a heresy event or look through a heresy group, you'll be seeing a lot of space marines, because that's the nature of the conflict, it's the Imperium mm. splitting and fighting itself, so... So Space yeah. Marine Primarchs
1: just can't be trusted. They just can't get on. So, yeah, I mean, that's also the main story of the heresy, isn't it? Is that it's brother against brother, <laughs> um, the great betrayal of Horus and betraying the Emperor and going off on his own by going off on his own, coming back to Terra to punch the Emperor, because Emperor bad. Lot apparently, punching. Spoilers. <laughs> Emperor um, bad. Or Horus bad. Who knows? Um, Everyone bad. Most bad. Yes. Yeah. And it's very much a um, as a game. It is a. It started as a th- an expansion pack for 40k seventh edition or sixth or seventh edition. Yeah. And the rule set um, kind of became its own thing when eighth edition came out. That's when the Age of Darkness rulebook came out to sort of clarify all of the seventh edition rules into a single book, so you could buy a book and actually finally play Horus Heresy without requiring any Warhammer forty thousand stuff. That's about as far as I know. That was yeah.
2: very informative. I I wasn't aware of all that in that many uh, minutiae. Certainly, yeah, It's sort of it's Warhammer seventh point five edition really, isn't it, now is what I'm given to understand. So uh Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I th- think like James says when they consolidate it all they did a they did a bit of a cleanliness, tweak. Pass, let's say. But it is a very seventh ed, forty K and Horus Heresy remains, very granular system compared to our sort of more recent experience with eighth and ninth edition. In that you're thinking about looking values up on tables and vehicle facing mattering and armor value being different on different sides of things.
2: Um, it's quite a crunchy game, I think, yeah. isn't it? It's fair to say. It's. Um, yeah. It's a, a simulation, sounds wrong when you're talking about giant space people fighting other giant space people, but it's. It certainly has a kind of veneer of of simulation. Um, Like you say, it's like tanks. You're worrying about the armor value on them. You're worrying about specific weapon facings and things. And the types of weapon matter a lot more than they perhaps do in sort of all GW's other kind of current main game offerings. I think that's fair to say, isn't it?
1: Yeah. 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 it's it's definitely a, uh, well, we should also say that it is uh, supplied by Specialist Games, a.k.a. Forge World, um, from the uh, Games Workshop web store, or if you're lucky enough to be in a place where you can actually get Forge World models, then that's where you can get the rule books and things like that or via the web store, etc. So it's very much a specialist game, even more so than, say, Necromunda and um, Blood Bowl and things, which you can get in your friendly local game store. Horus Heresy is very much, you need to go to uh, the
2: specialist dealers to get hold of your good resin action. It is, yeah, worth saying that it's, it's almost exclusively only resin models, which does have a certain price point attached to the game therefore um yeah, definitely there are some plastic models and there are some cheaper ways of doing it which i think actually if you look on the tiny dot com website uh contributor uh pete slash fienya has done a, a guide on kind of the the various factions and what are low cost or lower cost ways of getting into or this heresy so if you're sort of listening to this podcast and hearing that, then it's probably worth uh having a checkout of that if you're interested in giving it a go.
1: Yeah. It's a really good beginner's guide, which he's written up. So yes, definitely give that a go. Some good tips. Yeah.
0: I think uh the all of the sort of increased cost and fiddly resin model kits are what sometimes leads this to be talked about as a bit of a like uh, a game for dads or or as we might say like a game for people who are doing their hobby in their sheds because anyone anyone can be an enthusiast hobbyist it doesn't to be a dad
2: it's a game about dads though
0: it is a game about dads so
2: that name does remain <laughs> <right>. <laughs> played by dads i think it's significantly played by people with you know even by war game standards quite a lot of expendable income yeah um,
1: doesn't have to be, though. That's the, that's the thing which uh, is good about Pete's article. So yes. I would definitely always try and push back, even though there is a very stereotype, uh, to the general audience of the game. And I don't think we fit into those stereotypes. So I don't think the listener should either. No, absolutely. I've got quite a lot
2: of grey hair. So. <laughs> no kids, but I do have quite a lot of grey hair. And I do have a shed. So
1: There's, I mean, um, I own a shed sorry yeah oh god it comes for us all i'm shedless
0: as of yet and i'm avoiding the gray
1: hair by dint of being
0: blonde but (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Um, that's
1: what's slowly pulling me through at the moment Found a few in my beard though the other day, a little oh, bastard. This this really is becoming a sad enthusiast wargaming podcast now.
0: It's not uh, what, sad. What, what real ale are
2: you drinking tonight is the, to make it a real <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm
0: drinking water, <laughs> but I am drinking it out of a Western Cider glass, so there you go. That's not an endorsement, hey, by the way, we're not I'm keeping it,
1: keeping it real, I've got a uh, Bristol Beer Factory plastic cup that I stole, so got That's that awesome. festival spirit. It's full of water, but... (laughs) Living the dream. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, as James says, and as Pete lays out in his article, it can be expensive if you want it to. It does not have to be. Uh, There are lots of ways of crossing over with Horus Heresy with regular plastic kits. Um, And there's Mm. some second-hand markets, as with anything as well. Um, So, Drew... I asked James this question, and then we kind of devolved into just what is Horus Heresy, but what's your background with the 30K, the Age of Darkness, the Horus Heresy? What uh, what got you into it? What excites you about it, or what's kept you interested?
2: Um, hmm. That's a funny one, because I, I sort of missed... The Horus Heresy, as it were. Um, I stopped playing Warhammer in about 1999. And I think it first books came out in 2000, did they? It was certainly, you know, where I was playing games. I wasn't aware of the Horus Early Heresy.
0: Early 2000s, I think, was the first novel. Yeah.
2: Um, but I do remember who did it. Is it Andy Irvin? I can't remember now, but there's the classic Horus versus the Emperor diorama from Golden Demon uh, back in the day and to me that's always been there as part of the hobby as this kind of really interesting subsection and I remember the pull out white dwarf board game for fighting on the Warmasters flagship which must been about 1995 or something um. So those are my sort of two touch points. And then having come back to um, Warhammer about four years ago, probably four years ago, time flies, um, I was sort of originally off-put by Horus Heresy because it was just this thing that, it, it was like third edition I didn't like third edition, funny new rules. Um, and it kind of put me off going into it. And, and then I kind of got into Titanicus and the setting started to kind of, Dawn on me, and being like, "Oh, this is really interesting," and, and I do find that sort of stories of these kind of weird space nights in this perhaps more kind of serious, more kind of um, weird and gnarly kind of space, you know, space history, as it were, started to really kind of sink in. So, yeah, that was sort of what what led me down the path to getting into thirty k as a as a game in itself. Um, yeah, it's a lot of that kind of old, old visual sort of brought forward, and and again, maybe that is somewhat kind of encouraged by the kind of the the shed owning dad side of the hobby because it, it <laughs> part of what is also makes it like a course sort of wargamers wargame is that they are quite particular about the the way your units are painted more so than 30, yeah, than forty k anyway that you know if you're playing as Blood Angels, they should be red and look a certain way, not, I don't know, Bright Orange and Hello Kitty transfers all over them or whatever you you might come across in a more sort of open war game.
0: I mean, I'm going to put myself out there and say that if you want to paint your Blood Angels orange and put Hello Kitty transfers on them and play with these rules... And someone complains to you about that. you should probably not want to play a game with that person still because you still put effort in, but yeah, um much as you might expect to find forums of people arguing about Napoleonic uniforms <laughs> of the you know the French Voltigeurs or whatever it might be um. You will occasionally find people arguing about what particular shade of black the Iron Hands armor was, or vice versa. And there is yes. a lot of fun in it. To that, like lots of people try and match the artwork in the books, and you know, I, I think that, that does give things.
2: a value, though, doesn't it? That you know, you're a lot less likely to play someone who's just got an army of grey plastic. I think in Horus Heresy, because there is this attitude that you're actually it's not a competitive game it's not necessarily a very balanced game which might relate to it <laughs> not being very competitive but the idea is that that people are there to and, and you know and this is what that you know people do play more kind of narrative lists than others but people are there for the spectacle and for the sake of the game and I, and i think that does you know it's people who paint it's it's just a difficult thing, isn't it? Where everyone has you no know, right to do their hobby the way they want to do it, but at the same time, you if you choose to do something deviating very far, you know, if you are doing your you know uh, your red coats for the you know the, war, the game of Waterloo, you're playing, and you do do them bright pink, you are taking away from the other people's experience of that game if they're playing you. So it it is a bit of a sort of difficult one, and I think with heresy certainly. And I have a very limited experience of the sort of greater community beyond and I should shout out again to the thirty K Channel dot com, who are a very good Horus Heresy battle rep channel and have a lot of the kind of certainly the UK Horus Heresy players that you sort of hear uh spoken about on that show. Um and there is this sort of yeah, this idea where, you know, you're working together to a to communal kind of narrative and and that does go into the hobby aspect, the painting aspect too. Mm,
0: yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I've ever seen a an unpainted heresy army played on a table. I'm sure it must happen, but um, it does seem to be people's detailed hobby projects that they're then fighting with. Because what else is there to do with them? Rather than maybe you know, like you say, constructing in-depth tournament lists and then painting. Just your two thousand points for a tournament or whatever, and then next season mm. put that away and pick out the next thing that's competitive. For one thing, I mean the rules don't change, so <laughs> there is no matter.
1: Very, the model release schedule is very, very uh, leisurely slow. Leisurely, yeah. leisurely, yes.
0: I think there have been occasional FAQs um, where yes, stuff has dominated for too long and has been wound back or changed a little bit but nothing on the scale of the sort of regular sort of scheduled faqs that we've come to expect from the other mainline games from games
1: workshop
2: Mm -hmm. yes
1: i think it's the nature of um the events that get organized for heresy that where the events are narrative led, and they have things like character draws, and like you basically, if you want to play a character, like a special character, no one else can. So yeah, yeah, things like that occur in in the wider community for the community meetups and things like that. But ultimately, it's still a game which you can play with a few people, having some beer and pretzels, like the old forty k and things like that. <laughs> And it, it works just as well almost because it is based on those rule sets and things. And you could probably play a pickup game of Horus Heresy, which sounds weird. But if you wanted to just like do that, it's fine. So, yeah,
0: it's still mm-hmm. by the standards of wargaming in general. It's still a pretty tight, well catered for wargame. Um, if you've got the kit, you could definitely just pick it up and have a game coming back to you then james after we sort of meandered away from you um we've done some (laughs) backgrounds what is um kind of your heresy background
1: um so a bit like drew i came back to the hobby in 20 the end of 2017 sort of time and most of that was because i had my uh parents essentially dump the box of old hobby which i'd left as a teenager in the house back into my hands and say go away uh put this somewhere where we don't need to look at it anymore the classic war gaming (laughs) trope the classic trope and then i was like no i'm going to keep these i'm going to paint them and then i think as time went on and i was researching more and more bits and bobs for like particularly blood angels actually Um, the first heresy kit I picked up were the Mark III Space Marines because I just thought that they looked cool and they looked really uh, different from the Space Marines which I'd remembered. And um, this is after, like, Primaris and things had come out for 8th edition, but I just kind of wanted some tactical marines and I thought that these, like, sort of more, uh, like, low-tech armor, knightly-looking... Uh, Space Marines look cool, so I bought a box of those and uh, I painted them. But I gave them, apparently, if you uh, consult a uh, Horus Heresy expert, I have given them the wrong bolt guns. Oh, so, uh, no. <laughs> so they will be crying as I uh, place them on the battlefields of the 30th thirtieth millennium. <laughs> 31st millennium, whenever it is. Who cares? Um, th- but uh, the real interest started probably when I started a small um, Custodies and Sisters of Silence army for 8th edition, because, again, I thought they were cool models, and I thought that they were worth uh, looking into as just good hobby, good hobby fun times. And I painted up a lot of the Sisters of Silence, and I've barely painted any Custodians, but I do have an army of them hidden. And the thing is with them, as laid out in uh, Pete's excellent article on tinyplasticpeople.com, That's an army which you can port between the two game systems pretty much because they're plastic kits, but you can also uh, use them in both. So Sister of Silence has an army list within uh, Horus Heresy, and so does Talons of the Emperor as they are together, and as they are slowly becoming again in 40k. Mm. So that was kind of where the interest started, and then also it was the character series for... Um, some of the characters from the books because I started listening to the the audiobooks and they're pretty good. So I just kept listening to them and then the Siege of Terror books started and that was really just like, oh, hell yeah, this is actually good fiction within an interesting setting. Uh, I think I described it once as if you just keep writing and you keep writing enough crap and it slowly compresses down and then you start <laughs> getting these diamonds flying out of actually good fiction, um, which is probably mean but also there's a lot of books and you don't need to read them all but there's some very good books within that so yes yeah, things like the siege of terror really kind of fueled fueled that interest and then i picked up over lockdown which is probably the best time to really pick up a rule book for anything oh, i picked yeah. up the rule book for uh uh horror's heresy and i didn't read it until about three weeks ago and um I also picked up the Mechanicum army list as well because I, it turns out that I've just been started buying the resin things of that to go in my Mechanicus army for 40k but you can also use them in, in heresy so I'm I'm all about the value armies here so it's double use
2: it is maybe worth saying about the books that, and I think as I've touched on that I'd, I'd missed the release of most of them being out of the hobby I um, I kind of came back in and I did try and read some of them, but I find a lot of the old Black Library material quite clunky, if I'm being polite, uh, bad if I'm not being polite. Um, (laughs) And I haven't read many of them, and uh, maybe that makes me a fake Age of Darkness fan, but I haven't found it sort of is that detrimental to my enjoyment of, of 30 K. Um, I have read all the Siege of Terror books and, and being sort of later uh, in the sort of black library, sort of writing stable. I, I find them quite a lot better writing wise. So, you know, if, if I someone's see you're,
1: being, you're still not saying the word good there.
2: Some <laughs> of them, are, some <laughs> of them are good. I mean, they're, they're always black library <laughs> fiction and there's a degree of, how much <laughs> ridiculous space night, uh staring mournfully at things or angrily at things, and monologuing? Can you handle to be, you know, <laughs> to be measured as good? But uh, running at stuff, hitting it, running at stuff, fine. being very, yeah. yes, very punchy. But yeah, you know, there's a lot more quality there. So if anyone was listening to this, I feel it's it's worth. Maybe this should just be like a looping statement of, if you're listening to this and you're interested in the game, don't feel that you have to read. 60 novels before you can hope to understand what is going on um
0: yeah as the person who pretty much has read those 60 novels doing a a pain face into the can um, there are some i've skipped um and some i've not enjoyed but Force my way through. Um, I think if someone said to me, what's the best way for me to find out about the Horus Heresy, I would suggest reading or listening to audiobooks of the first four books. So the classic first trilogy is Horus Riding, False Gods, and Galaxy and Flames and they all kind of cover Horus, who it's not really a spoiler to say based on the name of the setting commits a heresy <laughs> Uh, Does a little
1: heresy. I think as a, a primer for the for the whole thing. Yes. It's based on a series a massive series of books, and those are the ones to get started with. There's a few other really interesting ones within that. I think I remember Legion being an interesting one. Yeah, um, Legion is divisive, I
0: think, a little bit. I like Legion, but um
1: I liked Mechanicum as well for some reason. Don't know why. Mechanicum's good. I like Mechanicum, but that one is—you can you basically you can. There's like a timeline of events, and you can jump into the books that talk about those events if you want to. But ultimately, you just kind of need to know that there's a big army of very angry mm. people heading towards uh, terror, aka Earth. And what happens along the way will shock and surprise you.
3: Yeah.
0: I'd say, on average, if there's any legion or faction that particularly interests you, so let's say you uh, really like Blood Angels, then there will be probably, on average, five to six books that feature them significantly, and of those, maybe three where they're like the actual focus faction. Um, And you can normally find a pretty good guide for... If you want to know about the Blood Angels in the Heresy, read these six books. Some have more than others. Uh, The reason I said number four as well, which is The Flight of the Eisenstein, is because it kind of sets up some of the more esoteric, like non-Space Marine stuff in the Heresy as well, and gives you a bit of a taste of that. And I think is quite a good example of one of the more specific legion focus books as well so but you know if you really hate the death guard or (laughs) any you know you hate reading about space marines want to read the bare minimum
1: (laughs) you could you (laughs) can skip it there is some really interesting non-space marine stuff in quite a few that those tend to be the bits which i'm most interested in it's always a Mm. treat when it's just like oh some regular people are doing things yeah human perspective
2: interesting I mean, that uh, possibly is what makes the Siege of Terror books a bit more interesting because they go out of their way to have uh, quite a few perspectives and yes. more, more interesting and diverse characters and things. So,
0: yeah, and they're also um, fifteen years further down the line in terms of, um, in some cases, developing the same characters, but just in general, like placing characters within that universe and. Um, improving quality of writing for the most part, so yeah. Mm. You'd,
1: You'd like to hope that if you do something for 15 years, you do get better at it, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's not an unreasonable hope.
1: <laughs> uh, Rich, we haven't actually had your background in the heresy, I do realise that we've been recording for almost 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, yeah, let's um,
1: turn on the gas.
0: I Nothing huge that hasn't been covered by... Uh, you guys already, really, other than um, I think when the Burning of Prospero box came out, which was like a big um, box that had the Mark Three Space Marines that James mentioned and a load of other stuff and some of the Custodies and Sisters of Silence as well. When that came out, I was very excited. I bought it and had a bit of an aborted attempt to do some Thousand Suns. But at that point, I hadn't. I was excited about it because it was a big box of Warhammer, not because of it being the Horus Heresy, really. Um, and then, really, just in 2019, I was a few books into reading the Horus Heresy series and talking to Pete, who we've already mentioned a number of times on the podcast about uh, Heresy. He got a load of us thinking about it with promises of running a little narrative event which was kind of um, put to bed by the last 18 months but I jumped on it fairly quickly and started working on Iron Warrior's Army and so yeah reading the novels got me enthusiastic about that and then I actually turned out to really enjoy painting them so that's kept me interested in the building the army in the gaming side of things, and without spoiling anything, um, as you get later in the Horus Heresy and into the Siege of Terror series as well, um, being an Iron Warriors fan pays off a little bit because they suddenly get a lot more focused time. So, yeah, I've been really enthusiastic recently. <laughs> um, but yeah, I until recently had pretty much not played the game just into collecting the <laughs> army so
1: so i think we've what we've actually done is we've kind of buried the lead a little bit with this one in that we actually did go and play some horus heresy did we not the last weekend
2: we did. Yep.
0: yeah so this is secretly a special where we talk about our horus heresy event or meetup um not just waffle inanely about heresy in general for an hour like we actually have
2: games <laughs> Horus Heresy Trial by Fire maybe or
0: yeah Trial first, by galaxy uh, and Flames
2: First contact with Horus Heresy so <laughs> although we've you know as we've covered we've got quite a mixed experience of it you know when we've teetered on the edge of the Heresy for quite a while this last weekend was our first experience rolling them dice and looking things up on tables lots of tables yeah
1: yeah lots of dice and yeah so it was essentially we went up to warhammer world which is or down to warhammer world as or across to warhammer world depending on where you are in england slash the uk uh we descended upon it and uh played basically yeah we uh made some small armies i don't think any of us had a particularly large uh army um and uh we 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 did that thing which is play warhammer which was really nice um it was it was great to see you irl obviously um which is actually probably the biggest treat of all um Second only to being able to browse Forge World and then actually play a game. In so, that order, yeah. See, friends. in that order, that is that browse is my Forge World ranking. Play game. and look how polite I was. I put friends at the top, so <laughs> yeah.
0: Slide in Bugman's Bakewell tarts somewhere in that arrangement as well. Yeah. So it was the uh, three of us: uh, the aforementioned Pete and juice also from our community so five of us booked across a couple of tables in warham world gaming hall um basically with the mission originally the mission was for james and i later learn 40k which james talked about on the recent um <laughs> and it, it just mainframe. went horribly wrong but uh that then kind of morphed into or we could also play some heresy. And a couple of other people saying, oh, we could come play some heresy. And uh, then us saying, actually, maybe we won't play 40 games. <laughs> <laughs> and we had ourselves a mini heresy learning event, which was,
1: yeah, different. And a exciting. learning event, it definitely was. Yeah. It's because of
0: looking things up in books.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think we, well, I personally managed two games because I actually did manage to play some 40k because I I had to, otherwise I would have been a liar. Um, But I managed a couple of games on the first day um, and it was, I'm going to say it was a learning experience all the time. And it's lucky that we have uh, someone who has been actually reading the rules, such as Drew. Uh, Rich, I think you read the rules as well. So I didn't. I Actually, no, I did. That's actually a lie. I sat down and I read the rule book back to back the befo- the week before.
0: How much of it did you retain?
1: Retention of those rules. It's very, very hard. It's a lot uh, of things
0: with similar words that are completely different, you know.
1: Itself. Mechanically, I think, I think, yeah, going in, I think we're going to say, like, our first impressions and stuff of actually playing the game and just diving into that it felt like playing 40k when i was a teenager mm. like the the way the turns work the way um the way that you roll dice the way that there's barely any modifiers on your dice a lot of the time like things like the saving throws i i mean i think i've probably already just made a massive sweeping statement that isn't actually true there's not (laughs) i never noticed many modifiers on my dice a lot of the time um and particularly there's very few re-rolls of anything it felt very like these are the rules and if you roll badly you just roll badly like so if, if it's even like plus you get plus two to hit or something like that and you roll your dice and it's a bad roll there's no way of saving that roll there's no way of just Saying, "Oh, I'm gonna re-roll that one," or like strat- strategy says this, and like, "Oh, because I'm next to my commander, I get to re-roll all of those and stuff like that." I think those co- that those stuff was that was the stuff I was missing from it as being a uh, heresy baby, and probably comes with time, but out of the gate, that's what it felt like. It felt really hard to. Uh, see how your army worked and like the bubbles around your army and stuff like that when you play 40k in aos you sort of like you see things almost like uh, a strat like a top-down strategy game like an rts game on your pc where like you think oh there's a nine inch bubble around there there's a 10 inch bubble around that there's a six inch bubble around that and if i push all these forward then the bubbles all combine and i just re-roll everything now <laughs> so it didn't it didn't feel like any of that was happening
3: yeah uh, yeah
0: I would I would agree. Um, there's there's things here and there, but it does feel like there's a lot less re-rolling in general, and even not that many modifiers a lot of the time. Um, but I am willing to concede that that might have been because I wasn't looking at like the sixteenth keyword assigned to my unit that was pointing me to a different place in the book that said, "Oh, they get rerolls of all ones." So
1: <laughs> yeah that that's the th- that's the that's the other thing that there's a lot of these exceptions and special rules there's a big glossary of them yeah. and there's a difference between like murderous strike and piercing strike um they're strikes sure, but they do different things yeah. um uh, and knowing that about your units is uh, something which you need to remember because otherwise you will forget and then you won't do something and then Janita Crawl Kroll is lying dead on the floor and you're like, oh, well. Yeah.
0: What was your um, takeaway, Drew? Because you you were definitely the most familiar, certainly out of the three of us, you were the most familiar with the rules going in.
2: Yes, certainly by... Um, proximity and I, I mentioned it before but the 30k channel have a lot of battle reps and they go into those battle reps in reasonable detail of the rules so I, I think I spent most of lockdown just watching their entire bat catalogue so I've probably watched I don't know 100 hours worth of heresy in the last 18 months so I, I had a feel for how the game worked and I didn't find it that bad. Um, I'd done a few practice games against myself in the house as well over lockdown. So I felt reasonably confident sort of showing other people it. And maybe that gave me a bit more space to, because uh, I wasn't having to learn the game to actually sort of enjoy playing the game and see how some of the mechanisms worked. And this did go back to what I was saying at the start that I I i like crunchy games i think you know games where the rules have a lot of interactions probably worth defining sort of what i'm meaning by crunchy that you know in say um age of sigma or in 40k 8th edition or 9th edition as we are now it doesn't matter which way your tank's facing it doesn't matter which way your war machine's facing or what you're doing with it you can you you play the game and your models go where you want them to go. In Horus Heresy, there's a lot more minutiae and a lot more rules that affect how things work. And that you know, if if it's putting vehicles in the right place and it's making sure that you have the right teams to do the right thing. So if you haven't got anti armor weapons, you are not going to hurt a tank. Just full stop. You cannot hurt it, and it can. Chew through, you know, a, a tank or a dreadnought can chew through your entire army because <laughs> you can't, yeah, handle that because you haven't got position, you know, you haven't got the weapons to take care of it. But because vehicles also have armor values, it's a lot of playing that you you know that if you want to take something out, maybe you're going to want to be behind it or to the side of it and that's positioning your own troops in one way but it's also trying to bait it turn its back on you for whatever reason and i do find that style of gameplay a lot more interesting and and maybe instead of in playing eighth edition uh, playing 40k and playing age of sigma i hadn't really realized that i was missing that until i started playing these heresy games and yeah, I do like that style of play where you're making battlefield decisions to benefit you, but you're also making losses. So, you know, say with a tank, are you putting your tank halfway behind a building? It might not be able to shoot all its weapons, but it is getting cover bonuses and things. It is get, it is hull down, so you are getting protection from that. And I do like that style of play, um, which I think was probably my main takeaway from it. It's complicated, but it's not awfully so. But most of the rules make sense when you think about them, I think. Maybe there's some exceptions there, because I know, Rich, you had some things you didn't think felt right in in close combat and stuff, but certainly...
0: Yeah, I had an occasional moment of bafflement, but I think a lot of that could be chalked up to just it being different to how I expected and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually bad or doesn't make sense Um, the one in particular that um, stands out to me and I'm going to try and avoid us getting into minutiae of explaining how different rules work but the one that stood out to me was uh, when you have say a character or sergeants challenging in a combat they, so they pull out and have their own little fight for, you know, honour, while the rest of the squad has a big brawl. Um If you win the challenge and, like, overkill the person, that spilled damage goes back into the rest of the squad as well. Um I found that a bit strange, but it's... It doesn't matter. It's not game breaking or anything. I just wasn't expecting it, and I think um, at the point where we were uh, playing our game on Sunday morning, Drew and you were explaining that I was like, my head was so full of rules and keywords that I'd learned that <laughs> I just had a, a little mini moment of what really
3: <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> but yeah, like it. You know, it kind of makes sense. Of course, Wayne does a. Big swing with his sword and cuts the Terminator captain in half, and all of the you know also cla- catches another one. Like it, it, you can explain it narratively, yeah, even badly <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> but it, it, in its like basic mechanics, though, it yeah. actually felt almost simpler than where mm. even like AOS and 40K are at now. It's got The same sort of uh, turn order style of like round where like you have different phases of each of your turns. Uh, But the actual movement and the the way things like everything moves six inches. But if it's a soldier, it moves six inches that things like that. I was remember looking at the data sheets to start with. I was just like, well, how do you know how far they move? Like, can't a <laughs> thingy move as fast as nothing? It's like, no, they're all space marines, or they're basically humans. They all just walk at the same speed. And it's like, oh, but that's a tank. It's like, yeah, they all go 12 inches, mate. It's fine.
3: Yeah.
1: Do they? I think some of them don't. But there's speeders and things like that. But there's all, that, that's where it comes in, is that it's got this really basic set of rules, but it's got a ton of exceptions to those rules. And that's when it gets a little bit heavy on the oh well actually if you just go to page 132 you'll realize that that is a skimmer so that can use this thing at this point and you can yeah. do something else with that thing and knowing all of those rules is that's the bit which is quite hard to get your head around but like it still charges it's still assault phase it's still shooting phase i don't quite understand why you run in your shooting phase but yeah You uh, who, who run are we instead of to shooting, judge?
0: right so yeah I, that's why it's there but yes it does, um, I think you said to me Drew, a lot of people end up just doing the run move in the movement phase and remembering not to shoot
2: them in the shooting phase It certainly I think leads to a faster game yeah. but uh, there's, there's reasons why you might not want to do that but, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's not it's, the rules um, No, it isn't in the rules but there's this certain elements. and I think I think maybe James have sort of almost touched on it there and there's going to be a big caveat to what I'm about to say is it's a, the caveat is ignoring demons and mechanicum that unlike a lot of 40k and Age of Sigma, I think with heresy this is my feel anyways you need to know your own rules not knowing your opponent's rules isn't going to be as big a deal breaker because at the end of the day and James was the only person who played not space marines this weekend James played uh sisters of silence which are human but they're still you know just doing normal-ish human stuff um and it means that you're a lot more predictable that okay I might not know what you know uh, your iron warrior havoc's special rules are but I know they're still space marines and they'll still only do space mariney stuff mm. whereas if you're playing you know, a game you know, 40k or a Sigma, you could horribly, horribly break yourself by not knowing what you're up against and yeah. you know, going into close combat, say, with a bunch of elf blade bastards and they're suddenly gonna just melt your face off because they fight in the end of the magic phase or something. Yeah. And you don't tend to get that in heresy because it's Marines fighting Marines. But like I say, demons and mechanicum do break those rules.
1: I think the one thing that was a bit like that kind of gotcha moment was a general rule which I hadn't quite realised, was that I could not hurt a Dreadnought, like you said earlier. And in my first game against Juice, he had his uh, just uh, Ultramarine's contempt to Dreadnought, and then it became a game of run away from the Dreadnought because there was nothing I could do about it apart from throw grenades at it from up on a roof and just hope that maybe it turned around the correct direction to do anything Um, but then, like True was saying, that's part of the game and that seemed to suddenly make sense to be part of the game and be like, well okay, there's not many vehicles in this game we were paying quite low points value also the fact that it one-shotted my one tank thing off the board in like one hit, I was like, oh well, that's crap. Uh, but, you know, maybe in a, another game I wouldn't have driven it directly at the enemy, so...
0: Yeah, and in a bigger game, if you were running, like, a a Talons list, you might have some pretty killy Custodes technology in there as well, so... Uh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Although that tank, the, the fish tank, the uh, Sisters of Silence, uh, Caron... Pattern Acquisitor uh, did disable a Dreadnought in front of another Dreadnought and then cause a Dreadnought traffic jam in another game, which is very funny. quite angry about that. (laughs) But it was very (laughs) funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is a thing that can happen.
0: (laughs) Um, I think uh, an interesting thing to do might be if we sort of in the theme of first impressions maybe picked out just like one or two things each that we really liked about the game and maybe weren't expecting to or didn't know going in and if you've got one what's something you didn't like not as a criticism necessarily but you know just as a comparison Uh, James any thoughts?
1: Yeah I I think the thing I liked about it was that it felt like a different game to what 40k is now and what age of Sigmar is now whereas i know kind of about the same time as like fantasy battle and uh like seventh ed 40k that they were kind of not interchangeable rule sets but there was a lot of similarities between a lot of the games workshop games at that time yeah and even like going back like when you played necromunda in uh, second edition days it was just more complex 40k second edition and things like that um, but now because it's kind of like the the final final evolution of that that rule set uh, the seventh ed rule set um, and it's existing alongside age of sigma and 40k ninth now that they are now three very different games, like very different games when it comes down to it. They all look kind of the same when they're on the battlefield. It's all little men moving around the table, rolling dice at each other. But it <laughs> definitely had that kind of, um, I guess it was the uh, Forza Motorsport to Forza Horizon of 40K sort of feeling. Like it's less arcade It's a lot more... Um, almost conservative with what you can do and, like, tanks do need to face the right way and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, And because the matchups feel a bit more even because they are based on, basically, space marine legions fighting each other, then that's an interesting tactical space to be in. And I think the parts that started um, probably wearing me down as I was learning more and more of the special rules to go into the thing that I... i I was struggling with was that the number of exceptions someone could pile upon you to when you were trying to do something it's like close combat it's like okay right we're in close combat great it's my turn okay i've done nothing and you've done nothing too but you've used this thing and like saves and things like that you can't modify or like the way the save table works is that you either it's like three plus save you get a three plus save you get a three plus save against that and this, and then. But if it's that, you get no save, <laughs> and that kind of armor penetration rules and things like that. There's, um, uh, like there's no modifier to it if in general shooting. So if you shoot someone with a heavy bolter, they save the same on three up as if they got shot with a bolt gun or a las gun. Um, but then suddenly, if that heavy bolter becomes, I don't know, just like one point better in that in that uh scale then there's no save at all and all of your things are dead and that's a bit of a like a sudden switch which doesn't quite feel quite right to me personally when i'm used to the ap modifiers of uh sure. 40k and rend and things in age of
2: sigma in but defense of the ap in an, an armor value in heresy i didn't play third edition because i didn't like this system I, I thought it was coming from second i thought it was a stupid system because it didn't have modifiers and it didn't make any sense you know why weren't you reducing armor saves when you shot with a bigger gun and why was it suddenly all or nothing but having played heresy and this baby goes to sort of my you know tastes thing with crunchy stuff is that you're making choices in what you equip your squads with but you're also making a choices about where you position your squads. And, and maybe this is the kind of thing that yeah, you aren't going to get in a learning game because there's so much, like you say, going on. But if you know you've got things that are going to take away your armor save, you're making choices then to put your squads in cover. You, the battlefield becomes a lot more alive, I suppose, more involved. And I think ninth edition 40k has gone a lot of the way to fix this but eighth certainly didn't eighth. I think this sort of battlefields was almost meaningless because it didn't really rely on line of sight. And I certainly remember playing at the start of eighth edition. What what faction is it? Uh, it was the Imperial Fist, and they just had a rule that they just ignored all cover modifiers on any shooting. And you were like, table might as well just be you know, a car park at this point. <laughs> because unless you've got a very big cover, you can't actually hide anything and they ignore you being in cover. And I think Heresy does lean into the you know, cover makes a difference. And it makes a difference even in close combat and stuff and loadouts and things. And it's maybe once you get into the game, and I found this again with Titanicus, is that, you know, my first couple of games, Titanicus were fine. They were learning the rules. And then it was go games of three or four and it all clicks and you suddenly go, Ah, there are a lot of moving parts here and the game this is one of my complaints about age of Sigmar. and again about 40k and, and certainly about 40k 8th edition particularly if you play kind of narrativey stuff at, with randos at clubs is there are games that you just might as well not play because you've lost before you even put your army on the table and um i think games where the the game is played on the table and more of the game's you know, actions take place at the table and what you do there with how you interact with other units, how you, you know, this is armor values is facing, what you take, where you put units. That's the kind of game I like playing. And I'm sure you can make something awfully broken in heresy that, you know, (laughs) is just going to make this totally null and void. But I like games that the the table matters. And, you know, people are going to be saying, oh, you know, in... 40k or in age of sigma oh of course it matters how you screen and how you do stuff but it's always going to be there in a you know a game all the way up to the level of chess yeah, you know, where you position things matter but for me the battlefield matters a lot more in these kind of crunchy games like titanicus and like heresy yeah.
1: particularly yeah. with
2: regards to you know what you're talking about armor and stuff and how it makes a difference
1: yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't so much that I guess it, it, it makes positioning incredibly important and the way that um, a unit is suddenly very vulnerable. It goes from not vulnerable at all to incredibly vulnerable, which is a very interesting thing to deal with. It's just like, well, yes, if yeah. you're in line of sight of a land raider and it's going to shoot its last cannons at you, you are very lucky to survive that. Which is interesting. Um, I think it was just missing some uh, nuance to the uh, nature of like what was going on on the table and things like that. So Mm -hmm. like you know, if a if a special character has a two up save, it always has a two up save. I mean, we did have primarks and silly things going on on the table so and things like with those kind of saves and i think in general you wouldn't see those as often um so yeah uh yeah yeah i I mean i agree with you drew that it's just the nature of the game is different and that's what's actually interesting about it is that 40k and aos are about list building if you want to play it at a certain level and the narrative side of things can fall apart if you've got very unbalanced armies whereas the narrative thing is is kind of what you're going for with uh heresy and that's interesting uh, that's uh if you're not playing to a narrative and you're just playing to win like i'm playing like the most tactically advanced way of like superior way of doing it then yeah yeah you're not going to have as much fun and i think if you if you do that then if you try and do like a a siege or a um, a last stand of some co- form using that rule set, I think it that would make it... that's where it shines, I think. Yeah, I agree.
0: I, um... <laughs> funnily enough, the thing I was going to say that I really liked was the um, lethality. <laughs> so, <laughs> just to counteract you as well, <laughs> um, the Say yeah, the save system—it definitely takes some getting used to, but I—I I quite like the kind of I have a lot of terminators in my arm, whereas I mean, I'm all about the terminators, and I quite like how they will just brush off small arms fire because they've got a two-plus save, and it's not going anywhere. And sure, you'll whittle them down slowly if you've got a big enough squad of bolters firing at them, but they're Gonna keep strolling towards you, and that really feels like it characterizes that implacable advance that you read about Terminators doing in a book. I think a little bit better to me than in 40k, where they're like on a two up, but now they're saving on a three up, or a four, or a six, or and mathematically. That makes no sense, because <laughs> the nice thing about Terminator with a really, really good armor save in 40k is if someone shoots at it with, say, a LAS cannon, unlike Guardsman or a regular Marine, it's still got a chance of saving it. And so you'd think that would make sense, but there is something about the um, the trade-off of like shrugging off a lot of small arms fire that feels quite... Um, quite fluffy to me and maybe it's actually more so than the real small arms stuff it's like the mid tier weapons like say an autocannon that like will kill some vehicles and marines but won't kill a terminator Um, and it feels like yeah it just kind of embraces that lethality and then moving into vehicles as well um, getting like a Vehicles have hull points, normally two to four, unlike in modern 40k where they have wounds. But if you hit it with a powerful weapon like a las cannon, there's a chance that you can penetrate the armor and hit something important inside it and just blow it up with that first hit. And that feels really, really, um, really exciting, especially when. When you do knock them out of action, they're sticking around on the table and getting in the way as well, Uh, as you mentioned, James. Causing (laughs) with knocking out Dreadnought and (laughs) thereby
1: locking up a whole avenue of advance for another Dreadnought. (laughs) It did make those interesting decisions where you don't have to kill something as well. Yeah. Particularly with, in fact, only with vehicles, really. Like, if if a Terminator squad's walking towards you, you can probably decide to not kill it but then it's going to kill you um well what happened there was just like well you've disabled the um the dreadnought it has caused a massive problem for the army now just avoid being in the firing arc of that dreadnought and watch it be annoyed yeah and you can imagine by the end of the battle if you just carry it on you could just walk around the back of it slap a few grenades on there or something and then yeah then you're done if you wanted to but it, it took it out of the game in a meaningful way where it's actually still a bit of a threat but it, it was also it changed its entire like oh no this side has got two dreadnoughts marching down it oh lol now it doesn't
0: yeah mm-hmm. and it avoids that 40k thing of i only rolled a two and a three on the damage for my two last cannons so now all my squads with bolt rifles are also going to shoot the dreadnought to try and chip off the the rest of the wounds because until it's dead it's still there in kind of 40k um, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that I I really enjoy 40k but it does feel different and you know a change is as good as a rest as they say.
2: So. I think it's like James said it's 40k feels more arcadey yeah. compared to what heresy is these or certainly you know, the, the, the relationship between the two
0: yeah um, to be greedy, a second thing that I really like, um, just sort of inspired by what you were talking about earlier, Drew, about kind of, with some exceptions aside, knowing what your opponent's stuff does because it's a lot of the same units as you've got on your side of the board. Um, I noticed in the game that we played, um, and the game I played with Pete on Saturday, that it feels very collaborative. Like, um, because I know that you're going to have a pretty good grasp on my rules and vice versa, um, you can sit and have a conversation of, like, ah, I'm thinking I'm going to run the Terminators over there and then shoot at that unit, Ah, but actually maybe it would be better to shoot at these that are in cover. And you can engage with that as well, and have like almost a collaborative storytelling conversation. Of here's what, um, here's what would be likely to happen. Here's what would make sense because all you're doing is reminding me of things that I should know anyway, rather than giving away trade secrets, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know we're also friends, and also playing learning games, and it's also a more narrative war game in general but I really really liked that I thought that was a um a very credible aspect of the game for someone who's interested in narrative gaming but doesn't always do a lot of it um I found that quite refreshing cool um, in terms yeah. of things I didn't like can't think of many really we, we, we mentioned getting confused at combat um i will I will twist this into um a thing I would improve if I could is that I would really really like thirty k to adopt the forty k slash a o s style of data cards rather than book full of keywords um and have <laughs> more of the rules just like read legible on the relevant page for a thing in the book rather than it having a rule which grants it a paragraph of text and that paragraph of text says this rule grants it this, this, this and this keyword. Um, And it's not hard to find all of that and stuff's indexed really well in those books actually, but it is time consuming and I think that would be a really nice quality of life improvement.
1: It's definitely not the most approachable of things. Yeah, yeah. And I
0: don't want to be celebrating it for that um i think historically oh. heresy had a bit of a reputation of like someone would say oh it's not very easy to get into heresy and some someone would shout back good from um <laughs> from the stands like we don't want new people but um, <laughs> yeah
1: sure. i would push back on that yeah entirely i'd push back so. against that
0: and everyone actually that i've met that's into heresy is not like that that's the classic just people from the safety of the internet being unpleasant but
1: mm. um. i it, i having played it i don't think it deserves its the reputation that it's got no. apart from a few things which are like major logistical bugbears i have with the game but those are sitting in outside of the game that's sitting in the distribution of the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. How about you, Drew, any other things you really liked or things you
2: don't like? Um, I was trying to think, and I've had quite a long time to think, and I, I haven't got a, a nice tight answer. I think the game that we played on Sunday, which was the, the biggest game... That I played over the weekend, um, that felt to me just like a kind of very positive experience. That we both had things that we were good at, and we both had differences in our forces. But uh, maybe I'm understanding the rules. This was at a kind of like similar level as well. By the end of the weekend, which was nice. So we were both sort of playing in the same way. That felt like all the moving parts had come together um and yeah I, I i enjoyed that as a whole i think it just it was a game of making interesting choices and that's what i always want to be doing in a war game is i want player agency there and i i really found that to be the case in that game that i, I was doing things on the battlefield that felt. Like meaningful tactical choices because of the battlefield conditions, and not because. And in part, maybe this is because there aren't all these buffs and rerolls, and you aren't so reliant on the protection, you know, or how the other units interact with each other. It felt a lot more sort of believable, I suppose you know i i want my heroes going forward and doing what they're good at i my space marine captain isn't just going to sit at the back hidden behind a wall because what he's really there for is to make sure that all my laser squad you know death marines are are shooting at their best you know he's <laughs> he's leading his troops he's doing these things i mean that's what a
1: lieutenant's for anyway <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> delegation <laughs> So, that's why yes. they needed to introduce that. Uh, that's it, I think. It, it it felt you know just like an enjoyable game, and having all those moving parts come together, I felt felt very rewarding. Um, and and I think obviously there is a scale thing with Heresy. Heresy is typically played at three thousand points as well, or that's considered the the norm game size. I think two to three thousand points, which is yeah. a lot bigger than a lot of other games. Um, but yeah we were oh i'd say we weren't well below that we were we 2500 were about points two, weren't
0: we 2750 i think by the time we had a couple the end of things of it. yeah So.
2: so yeah we were playing with all the toys i suppose by that point yeah it just felt you know good it felt engaging it was an interesting game and the game itself was interesting it wasn't just reliant on rolling a load of dice and being lucky you know the you make your own luck to some degree and i think that's what i felt sort of was coming off there. There's a lot of choices that would have... It felt tactical, I suppose. That's the short way of saying it.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. I enjoyed that game a lot. And all the games I played over the weekend. Cool. So, by way of a bit of a rope-up then, and a sign-off, I thought it might be nice to talk about sort of moving forward um, whether that is where would you like to see the Horus Heresy game go or is there anything new for the Horus Heresy that you'd like to see released or indeed um, has this gaming experience given you just some new hobby plans Um, probably worth acknowledging for our listeners Uh, we're aware that things have been leaked that suggest future heresy releases. We're not going to talk about those today, in part because Drew has managed to insulate himself from them and doesn't want to be spoiled. So, um, so if I say nothing, not a... it can't be a spoiler. Exactly. Uh... So we're we yeah. are wild speculation and sort of personal wishes here.
1: Yeah, we can't all be
0: terminally online, so yeah, indeed. And we're not in the business of um leak speculation spoiling things for listeners where we can avoid it. So yeah, uh Drew, let's start with you. Moving forward. What would you like uh, to see? What are your plans?
2: My personal hobby plans, I think are are gonna be unchanged from before the games, but maybe sort of have been solidified now, is that I've wanted to make a Ruinstorm Demon Army for 30k for quite a while. and One of the key things with the Ruinstorm Demons is they don't have set models. And, you know, maybe very different to mainline GW, which is it doesn't have rules if it doesn't have a model. The Horus Heresy Demon lists are, you just do what you want. Here's some rules. Here's the base that it needs to go on. Go wild. And you (laughs) can choose big demon, small demon, medium demon or gribbly monster demon and then you just bung extra bits on, you pay the points and you get what you want. So you can do some really weird stuff and 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 the rules also kind of lean into the idea that in heresy the warp isn't understood, there is not a catalog of demons and there is corn, he is the angry one. There is slanesh which is the Hedonistic one, and Nurgle is the grotty one, and Zeench is the magic one with a pointy hat. <laughs> it's it doesn't have that, and you know you can build a demon that's got mad claws and loves eating things, but is also a wizard. So you can go real ham on your hams there and just build whatever you want. So I I have a plan for a very hobby focused, extremely scratch built. Uh, runestone demon army and and the other part of the interest there as well that runestone demons just play very very differently to to anything else in the game they are very weird Um, so that's certainly where I'd like to go personally Uh, with well speculation slash guesses um, the rules could be tighter Uh, that's you know I don't think anyone's going to deny that um, I play with my main marine force, the Dark Angels, who've only just got their rules. So, in some ways, I have got a modern rendition of what they want Heresy to look like. Um, not entirely sure that works because some of the Dark Angel rules are very peculiar and don't really work very <laughs> well with each other. Um, but yeah, I would like to see Heresy be retightened. Obviously, I'd like to see more people playing. I mean, I've. Only just played my first games, but I've been on the edge of the ecosystem for almost two years now and sort of part of uh heresy discords and things. I'd like to see more people playing. It's very much the style of game I want to play. And I don't I think my fear now would be that it changes too much. That the you know that if something new comes out, it suddenly gets eight edition rules. I-, I don't think it will do because I think if that happened, the heresy community wouldn't accept it and would end up with 30k ninth age edition where (laughs) people only use the fan rules Um, I would like to see it tighter though Um, like as you say it's not accessible there are logistical issues shall we say about getting into heresy more than anything else and having some of that complexity taken away and not having to watch a hundred hours of battle reps to feel like you've got a handle on the rules would be nice I suppose
0: yeah definitely how about you, James? Any future wishes or future plans?
1: So future plans. As I said, I've got a lot of custodians who are not painted at the moment. What I do have painted is Constant Valdor, so I kind of probably need some things to go along with him. Probably need and I some also pals. did yeah. probably need some Valdor and pals. Uh, I've also got... a. Uh, I got that resin fever while I was in um, Warhammer World and I did pick up uh, one of the Custodian
2: tanks as well.
1: So that's on my hobby table right now. The Custodian
2: tanks will solve your not being able to kill a dreadnought problem very, (laughs) very quickly. As will that, I
0: think.
1: Yes, yeah, they're very exciting. uh, And I think that would kind of take me up to having a proper heresy army. Uh, In the future, I I would like to kind of probably... Get a bit simpler and not pick one of the more hipster armies and go with um, a legion. And I've been thinking, I've been thinking, I might actually get a Chaos Legion because I don't actually have any baddies in my uh, collections of armies. Really, I mean, Gloom Spike gets kind of technically are, but they're not really, are they? Yeah, that was my uh, budget for fun picking my army as well. Actually,
0: was yeah. yeah. I had no baddies, so.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so I've got some uh more MK three Marines on Sprue which I got for my birthday, and they're just sitting around waiting for me to kind of decide on. I'm torn between Alpha Legion and um word bearers at the moment. That's kind of where I'm at. Both of them have great special units. Um and yeah, I think it's just down to the colour scheme I want to paint them, really, which one gets decided on. Um yeah, so in the future of heresy I, I like I kind of hinted at I've got a major gripe with the way the game is distributed in that you can only get the rules online via the Forge World web store and I think that that is a huge barrier for people, absolutely massive and it's, it's not fair. As well. yeah, yeah, it's not fair to people to put that on them and also like what Drew said, that the expectation of 3,000 point games as well as like your basic game is something that needs to just go uh, nosedive straight into the bin, frankly. That kind of thinking is really not compliant with me anyway. I I feel that a game should kind of sing at 1,000 points, 500 points, 2,000 points, 3,000 points. It, It needs to be
2: there are yeah. the Centurion uh, fan rules. I mean this is part of the thing where you start to have these sort of more old yeah. character you know, old player based things that the, a lot of the game relies on or doesn't rely, but a lot of people use fan rules. And there is the Mournival special rules, which adds quite a lot of stuff to heresy. Um, but there's also Centurion, which I believe is separate to the Mournival stuff, and that is the idea of small forces uh fighting each other. And within Heresy itself, you do also have the Metalis rules, which are mm, aimed at around mm. 1,000 points. But you need an entire Zomitalis board, so...
1: Yeah, so I, I don't want to, like... I, it just doesn't need to... I don't want to see the game have to require fan rules to do something within it. It needs to uh, support those things. And also, was mentioned, was like just data sheets for things, just... Like that is just such a modern way of taking please, something please, that was incredibly please. complex and frustrating uh, out of a game, which how you distribute them, how you do them, how they appear. I don't know. I don't know what the, the mm. end result is. And I feel that they're going to be really conservative with any changes they make to the game, even if they're going to roll into another edition at any point or what's on in the pipeline. It, it Mm, I like. I kind of want them to throw the throw it all in the bin and start again because that gives it a nice refresh and uh, gets people excited about the actual idea of a game system and like what they've changed, what they've done to it. But at the same time, I do respect the fact that it is a different game, and that game can continue being different, and it can be refined down. But I just wonder if they're going to be a little bit too conservative with it and maintain some of the things that people Mm. some people think is like the flavour and other people think is of as the uh, incredibly annoying way of having to remember a hunt 100 different special rules and (laughs) what they do and the difference between them yeah like just you know is it plus is it plus one to this or is it minus one to that is that plus one to this is that minus one to that just list it in front of your characters don't require me to use something like battle scribe to understand how those things are related and the page references don't require massive books which you can only get online at least have it in a friendly local game store compatible thing. Like if like Titanicus, like Necromunda, like Blood Bowl, all of those things. That's kind of what I want to see is that it needs to be on the shelves with those games for it to have a wider audience.
2: I mean, part of it's worth saying that I've got my Dark Angel rules in a very nice presentation. You know, it's almost a coffee table book, the actual hardback rule books. And I took it to use for one weekend and it's got great big dinks out of it. Um and that's what which, a ninety pound book. A ninety pound book, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I don't want to pay ninety pounds for a book and then just get it shagged by playing games with it. It's sort of
0: those books are like amazing, amazing products. I just like they don't really feel like they need to have rules in them.
1: Um No, yeah. it's frustrating. And also the two armies which I, just to continue my rant, the armies which I have, (laughs) Sisters of Silence, and that army has been completely done over in the, the army list is in one book, which is 80 odd pounds or 90 pounds, which they haven't reprinted yet. And basically, that means that army is inaccessible to anyone. Even though there's plastic kits for sale, yeah. uh, and they also have not done half of the units which they actually have access to, which is also frustrating. Is that there's not resin upgrade kits for them? There's not uh, all the models aren't available, which is probably an issue across a lot of the. Um, range at the moment as well that is true
2: yeah i mean you you don't even have a primark if you're the white scars and (laughs) haven't for a very long time yeah um yeah So things like that bug
1: me um mechanicum has an army list but um there's strange options within that uh yeah it's it's an it's an odd game I, I will give it that, and I want to see it improved, and I don't want them to kind of just be like, oh, well, if we change it too much, people might get upset. I'm like, nah, sod those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no.
2: Well, i how James. you really
0: feel, James. <laughs> I think,
2: yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I do want it to stay quite safe. Just, just refine, you know. There's nothing wrong with taking something you've got that's working and make it work better. I mean, just which it definitely needs, I think, because there's there's stuff at the moment which just doesn't work. There's you know there's just examples of the Dark Angel rules, and we've had a dark a- an FAQ out for the Dark Angels, and some of the rules don't have answers. And you like ask online for communities, and you, you get people go, yeah, well, you probably should just you know decide before the game how it works, oh, and you're yeah. like, well, Classic. or not take it because it's it's not very good, and you're like, I don't know, that feels wrong. To me, it's you shouldn't have to be relying on that. So yeah, if they could do a nice tightening up, and maybe this is the thing with the Dark Angels, you know, maybe they've written this rule book with things in mind, and the new edition will just clear it up. And that's why it's not being covered in FAQs. I mean, or they just haven't no one's asked the question of them, so they didn't bother answering <laughs> it.
1: There has been a big pandemic going on, so you know,
2: yeah. Yeah. It's true. Uh
1: anyway, Rich, what what about you? What's your plans?
0: Oh, um, also caught some resin fever at Warhammer World, so my Iron Warriors are being finished off uh with a Perturabo and a couple of fast attack options, and I've also got a scattering of more kind of regular marines to bulk out the non-terminator side of the force. Um, post that in terms of my hobby plans, um... I I want to do a second Legion this is a game that I think I could benefit from having two armies for, either to just make someone play with me or you know, <laughs> to be able to join a traitor Bash or together loyalist or... side um, Drew, you mentioned White Scars, um, some of the recent books I've been reading, quite excited about the White Scars now um I would imagine, I mean, Jagatai Khan is the one remaining Primark model we haven't seen yet, I think. So, Yes. Um, there's, you know, kind of a future promise of an exciting release there, one would hope. Um,
2: two, two exciting releases, because his rules are him on foot and him on a jet bike. Uh, so, so you're one guaranteeing yourself release. <laughs> a very expensive <laughs> release, yes. Um,
0: so, that's quite tempting. Um I can't promise not that I need to promise to anyone when I picked up Iron Warriors I very nearly picked up Night Lords and I really love the Night Lords because they're like cartoon villains even when they were were <laughs> good they were still covered in skulls and bat wings and skin and it's they're like deeply comic book villain and I love their colour scheme and how bright they are like even in a kind of weathered heresy colorway they they really stand out as like quite bright blue and red quite quite jarring, and I really want to paint some
1: um they're incredibly like ride the lightning yeah uh, album cover error <laughs> um yeah, so there is
0: a little bit of risk that I could do like a hard left turn into night lord's and do a second trail legion. <laughs> Um, Could you do Loyalist Night Lords? Uh, I could, I guess. Yeah, I could do Loyalist Night Lords. Um, The Nice Lords. The Nice Lords, yeah. I'm not sure they were that nice. Pre-heresy, even.
2: (laughs) Um, Who is in the heresy? I mean, everyone is awful.
0: I, for one, am shocked that these terror troops who wear the flayed skins of their victims and whose leader has a hallway made of faces shocked <laughs> that they turned out bad. So um yeah, I've also in a bit of a diversion just bought a couple of units of Thalax cohort, little robots, um just because I really like the models. Um and I think you can tag them into a. Uh, a legion army if you have a, a pravian console you can, you can, can them a or, unit or take them, them and as allies take them along or take them as allies so they'll get you somewhere as a painting project but if i enjoy them then more robots could happen maybe we'll see um mechanic and range is so dangerous to me it's
1: really there's some crazy crazy
0: stuff in there um yeah, it's it's a constant danger. <laughs> um, in terms of the game and the community moving forward, um, yeah, I pretty much echo what, um, what you've both said. I'd love to see the rules just be tightened up and um, sort of become more accessible. Accessibility, I think, is really important and I've not heard it put better than you said, James, in terms of when you go into a game's workshop and there's that little section that's like aeronautica warcry uh, necromunda you wanna maybe at least be able to buy
1: like the heresy rulebook a little something Just something like um... oh we hear we hear things from like that some store managers don't even like accept you using like forge world models in their games and mm. stuff and that's it just, Not a place which you want a game to be.
0: <laughs> it just needs to be more consistent, in my opinion. And I think it's, it's on the, the road there, I would expect, based on, um, you know, like GW's things like annual reports and talking about accessibility and growing and growth. That's like, it just feels like such an easy win. Um, and if you do it right, I think you would win a lot of people over to the game as well. I do agree with Drew that if you just replaced its rules with like 8th ed rules with Horus Heresy written on them you'd put a lot of people off Um, but I do, yeah, there's definitely some streamlining that could happen like Ballistic Skill being on a lookup table despite it never being, needing to be compared to another model, it's just on a table Um, so I think you could easily say like Spaceman hits on 3 because that's true. Um, Just write three plus instead of having a table. Um, (laughs) Obviously, I'm sure, you know, sorry listener, if you're shaking your phone with rage (laughs) as you listen to this (laughs) podcast, (laughs) I'm being a little tearing the headphones
1: off. um,
0: Yeah, I think there are quality of life simplifications like that, that you could do without losing the things I do like, like the um sort of lethality and the tactical aspects of it and the fluffy things like tank facing and armor penetration and all that stuff so yeah that's that's where i'd like to see it i just yeah i'd like to see it be more welcoming because you know as we've experienced like if you get involved in heresy communities and talk to the people who like heresy um for the most part, they are they're lovely and welcoming, but it just by virtue of kind of the the level of interest you kind of need to pierce through that bubble to start with, it can sometimes feel a bit insular I think so I would love to see g. w yeah like having the rule book available in stores and store managers having a um you know, like being trained on how to sell people Horus Heresy, if that's the thing they're interested in. Not having to stock everything in store, but, you know, just having it be more viewed equivalently and talked about with more frequency on Warhammer community and more events of Warhammer World and all these good things. And I think there's some core units that I'd really like to see plastic kits for as well, like um Assault Squads and Breacher Squads in particular, because there's a lot of a few things at least i say a lot there's there's a few core units that are um pushing like 80 or 90 pounds per squad by the time you've got a minimum size squad um, and they're all resin and then they're like 150 points on the tabletop and it feels a bit much but you don't have to run those so
1: yeah that's kind of why i want to just see things like the approachability of like 3,000 point games and things needs to come down yeah. if they're going to stick with the same pricing model because the availability of models is so hard to get mm. and they cost so much. Yeah. That's a real drawback. Like, why would you invest in that unless you were really already just looking for more Warhammer? Like, like I, I think that we, we, we three were, were just like, we like Warhammer, let's get more Warhammer. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be what... Happens with a lot of people. We've fallen off the step, so might as well carry on down the stairs. Yeah, just keep on tumbling and then
2: push yourself (laughs) off, and then
1: keep going on down the next flight. Oh no! Um...
0: Oh no! I have (laughs) to buy all these resin robots now. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. So that's our short-ish chat about heresy. Um, I think we could probably go on for a lot longer hopefully we try to keep this reasonably accessible even if you are not a Horus Heresy wargamer because let's face it, we're we're hardly hardened veterans ourselves so...
2: Surely you Talking. mean weren't a Horus Heresy wargamer but now well, yeah, after no. hour and 30 minutes they're already checking the Forge World website for £125 worth of roll books. How could you really? Rotating their Primark.
0: Yeah. The heresy was inside us all along, especially if your name is Horus or Logar <laughs> Persarab.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, um, as I mentioned at the top of the pod, we are Tiny Plastic People, you can find us at tinyplasticpeople.com. If you'd like to hear or see more content about Horus Heresy, or you've got any ideas for things you'd like us to talk about or write about, or indeed if you've got an idea for something you'd like to write about or talk about, then the best thing to do is to email us at thetinyplasticpeople at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you've got any questions you'd like us to answer on a future podcast... Um, or if you've got any more specific questions for us about the things we talked about that you'd just like us to email you back about, we could do that as well. Um, if you don't want to go to the trouble of opening your email client, you could also tweet us on Twitter, tiny plastic pals, or you could go to our Instagram and message us there, which is also at tinyplasticpals, or... If you've taken issue with anything we've said individually (laughs) and would like to start a discussion with us, (laughs) please do not harass us. (laughs)
3: Um,
0: You can find us on various social media ourselves. So I'm primarily on Twitter at Rich Nutter. You can find me there. James, where can we find you?
1: Find me on Instagram at Alone Music UK. And you can find me on Twitter at Alone underscore music.
0: And Drew, where can we find
2: you? Uh, You can find me on Instagram, but I can't remember my account name. It is (laughs) Drew underscore paints. You can ask me how I paint my Dark Angel black, which is the only question people ask me about heresy on Instagram.
0: (laughs) It's quite an in-depth answer, though.
2: It is. I keep meaning to write an article about it and then don't.
0: Yeah, well, maybe we can deliver on that promise soon. Um, If you'd like to see some of my heresy Iron Warriors, there's a nice article a pair of articles on Tiny Plastic People where I paint a very, very old Land Raider that is older than me in the colours of my Iron Warriors army and I've posted pictures and stuff on Twitter as well. Yeah, go, just go, look engage.
1: It looks positively delicious, I want to lick the dust off it because it looks so delicious well Thank you, yeah. I
0: think. <laughs> I guess with and that... And it's a good job
1: I didn't see it or handle it.
0: <laughs> I think with that, uh, there's nothing more to say. What more could be said than I would like to lick the dust off your land raider? Um, so... <laughs> I
2: would like Jagatai Khan to lick the dust off my land raider. Too. <sighs> We've
0: come full circle. <laughs> full circle. <laughs> Great. Well... See you next
1: time, I guess.
0: (laughs) Bye. Goodbye.
2: (laughs) Cheerio.